This series has had us stepping through the Old Testament, looking at God's covenant promises. And those covenant promises pretty much have have meant a lot of waiting. Waiting for something to come in the future. Such is the nature, I guess, of, of a promise. It means waiting for something. As we step now into the New Testament in Matthew 26 today, a new covenant is here. And this new covenant is is more like fulfillment than promise, in a way. This is going to bring closure. Closure to what the other covenants we've looked at were, were waiting for. And we've chosen a pretty short little text today to, to focus us in on that new covenant. But these handful of verses give us the thrust of what we need to know. Just briefly, though, first, to catch you up with, I guess, what's gone down in in time and space since the promise of this covenant was given uh, in the scripture we looked at last week in Jeremiah 31. Well, uh, I guess after 400 some years of uh, silence, more or less, the, the big thing is that the Son of God, who is eternally one with Father and Spirit, the Son of God has taken on human form in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus of Nazareth has been going around telling everyone that the kingdom of God is now at hand. As we drop in today now on Matthew 26, Jesus brings in the new covenant promise of God that opens up that kingdom he's been proclaiming. He sits with his disciples here and he shares a last meal. And with a couple of props from the dining table, he explains very crisply here the reality of that imminent change. Verse 26, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. The bread isn't literally his body. It's a metaphor, isn't it? It's a metaphor to help them lock in the reality of what's happening. In this new covenant that that opens up this kingdom of God, it's happening. It's Jesus' way of saying here that that his body is, is just as real as this bread. He really has come to bring in this new covenant. The eternal Son of God, one with the Father and Spirit, has has taken a body just like ours to bring in this new covenant that the whole story of Scripture so far has been waiting for, longing for. This is here and, and, and this is now real as real can be. We can know with certainty what God is doing because he came to us in our form and showed it to us and told it to us. The gravity of this moment in time that we're dropping in on here in Matthew 26 is just epic. Jesus' whole ministry on earth was was like a pivot point in in the whole of human history. The longing of God and, and humanity through the whole Bible story is about to be solved. God's new covenant is here. This is cosmic closure. And it's just hours away from completion. Jesus is here for this reason. And it's as real as real can be, he says to his disciples. Take, eat, this is my body. And it's all about forgiveness. We should 
be careful to know that this new covenant that, that God has been promising and, and that the whole Bible story has been waiting for and that Jesus is about to bring in. It's all about forgiveness of sin. For some reason, a lot of Christians and a lot of churches even forget that point or, or get distracted with some other point. But Jesus is as crisp and explicit as he could be on this, isn't he? He, he came for one simple reason that he would shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sin. Verse 27, he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. couldn't be any clearer. The new covenant is all about forgiveness. And we see in Jesus' words there that forgiveness is not, well, it's not an isolated concept, is it? I mean, forgiveness necessarily connects to wrongdoing. Forgiveness isn't needed for those who've done nothing wrong, is it? No, forgiveness is explicitly required by those who have sinned. It is the forgiveness of sins, he says, that this new covenant he's bringing in here is, is all about. And so it's safe to say then, I think, that, that if you have no sin, then, then this ultimate promise of scripture that we're looking at, that Jesus is offering here, is, is actually of no relevance to you. But who among us has no sin. We all have sin, don't we? We all have now and then rejected God, haven't we? Dishonoured God. Lived as if God didn't really matter. Lived as if God were, were nothing in the scheme of things. Ha haven't we all done that? Have we not, every one of us, lived as if, you know, as if we were the king? As if we were the God? As if the whole world revolved around us? The Bible says, yes, actually, every one of us is inherently of sin. So it's no surprise that we've seen that truth running through Scripture since, since page three of this Bible and week one of our series. All of us are in sin, and, and here is the release point for all of that that we've tracked through. This covenant of forgiveness in Jesus' blood resolves the crisis of sin that plagues all humanity. And so what Jesus offers us here is, is actually something vital for every single one of us. This is vital, and, and yet by his words here, Jesus' blood is poured out only for many which flags the fact that there will be others who will not receive this forgiveness and nor will they concede their sin. But many people will receive this forgiveness. And in our scripture last week, we read in Jeremiah 31 just what that entails, that God will remember their sin no more. Many will receive that through what Jesus here is doing. 
And so scripture hereafter shows us two kinds of response to this new covenant promise. From humanity's side of the equation, there's two kinds of response. Some will refuse to acknowledge their sin as sin. And they won't receive this forgiveness Jesus offers. Some will repent of their sin. And they will turn to Jesus and God will forgive them and he will remember their sin no more. Have you ever wondered how God actually can forgive our sins? I think people tend to gloss over that bit too, as if this question is simply you know, a given of God. I mean, of course he's forgiving, he's God. And they might not think any more deeply than that. But this forgiveness that Jesus speaks of here doesn't come to us by way of you know, God just turning a blind eye to our sin. And it can't be like that if you give it some thought, because for God to do that, you know, just, just sweep all our sin under the rug and, and just pretend it didn't happen, that, that would actually need God to be, to be just as blasé about our sin as we are. Think about it, if God just ignored all our sin, then, then he wouldn't be good and righteous and, and just, would he? He would actually be soft on the question of sin. Which ultimately would mean that sin wasn't really even that sinful to begin with, wouldn't it? I mean, I'm surely if sin was sinful at all, God would care. And nor then, if we keep going down this way of thinking, nor then in turn would we really repent of our sin. I mean, if God didn't care, why should we? What's the big deal? And somewhere about there in that space, I think, is where the human heart by default actually does tick over on this question of sin. We, we assume that God will be so forgiving to everyone by, by way of a simple, ah, don't worry about it. Because deep down subconsciously, we can't see the severity of our sin. But look at how serious Jesus says sin is in this scripture. This forgiveness of sin only flows out to us by way of a payment for sin. And this too is often overlooked in Christian circles, and I don't know why, but explicitly Jesus says here that this covenant is in his blood. His blood which will be poured out to secure this forgiveness for us. Verse 27, he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of our sin flows out of the payment for our sin. And that payment demands Jesus' blood. Sin must be of enormous significance in the eyes of our God for him to do this. He must be completely set against our sin in all of its forms to do such as this. He is a holy, holy, holy God. And he must, must, must act against sin. And it is so severe and it is so set into us that he must act in such a way as this. We think God can just turn a blind eye. 
But for God to be God, he must carry out judgment against sin. For him to forget sin, it must first be paid for. And that way his forgiveness can still be righteous. And this is the gospel in Jesus' blood. God must demand payment for our sin. But he spares us that payment and pays it himself. This is why he took on flesh as God the Son in our human form. He took on our form so that he could receive this penalty of judgment that we deserve for our sin. And there could not be a bigger payment made on behalf of our sin if you process all this. Nor any other perfect payment like this. Jesus, Jesus, the eternal Son of God, one with Father and Spirit, His blood, His blood has now paid for our sin. And so the forgiveness he speaks of here is not, I don't know, just snuck through some crack in the system. This is not dodgy or shady or or sinful itself. This is perfect and holy and righteous. The forgiveness Jesus offers has been purchased and paid for by his own very blood. Our sin hasn't gotten the better of God. You know, pull a fast one on God, found some loophole in the system in his holiness or justice. No, it has been paid for, and paid for in full. Again, I don't know why, but there are churches and and Christians out there who, who just bypass this stuff somehow. They're staying silent on what Jesus so powerfully says here, and then does. The blood payment of sin by Jesus isn't popular with us, I think, because it slaps us with the depth and the severity of our sin. And yet it is fundamental to this promise of Scripture in this new covenant that Jesus brings. And nobody is above this, or Jesus needn't do this. Drink of it, all of you, he says. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. How could anybody think they don't need this from Jesus? Is he wasting his time? When people skip over this blood part of the covenant, that that, that God should be so righteously wrathful against, yes, our sin, they only manage, if they skip over that, to to find their way into into either works-based or feel-good religiosity. Either way they go, they never end up accounting for their sin. One day they will have to pay for it. If Jesus didn't, then one day they will have to pay for it. Thing is, though, we cannot pay for our sin, ourselves. We cannot pay for our sin. Otherwise, Jesus needn't do this, right? Let's say we did try. Uh, even our payment for our sin would, would still be sinful because it comes from our sinful self. Our sin is so vile. Our sin is so set to the core. It needed Jesus' blood. 
Nor can such ignorance about this payment of our sin that Jesus died for, nor, nor can ignorance of this, you know, help us to make any sense otherwise of this cross that Jesus died on, if we bury this truth. Well, what else do we think he's going to the cross for? Now, Jesus knew what he was doing by going to that cross. He foretold it so much through the gospel story. And even here at the end, just hours beforehand, he pours out this wine to explain what that cross is going to be about. Our sin must be paid for. Our sin must be paid for, and he has come to pay it. Because only he can. And only he can pay it so fully, such that we can know that it forever be paid. That, from the lips of Jesus, is the new covenant that God has promised us in this Bible. Forgiveness of our sins. By the mercy of our holy God, through the payment he put down for us, in Jesus' blood. And those who receive this promise in this new covenant that Jesus brings, well, they receive a whole lot more than just that. Because for anyone who truly knows the depth of their sin and its severity, forgiveness, forgiveness is like being released from a curse. The fear and the anxiety of judgment is, well, it's dismissed, isn't it? If God now remembers our sin no more. To be forgiven is to be set free. But to be set free as a, as a radically new being. Because from this truth of forgiveness of sin, a whole new life starts to flow from within us. A life that has been freed up to, to pursue good now, rather than being trapped in the crushing futility of sin. For some reason, again, there are churches and Christians who don't spend much time on this either. That forgiveness frees us up to live our lives more and more without sin now. Freed from its clutches, the hooks that it had into us. The forgiveness of sin helps us turn from sin and live new lives now in Jesus' way. But some people think to take the forgiveness, you know, for granted, and, and, and then they just carry on living happily enough in sin. But have they really taken hold of that forgiveness? Because wouldn't forgiveness also bring something new in us? In, in this very scripture here, Jesus speaks of drinking new wine in the kingdom of God. On the other side of this sin being forgiven, he's picturing something new. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When we truly understand God's forgiveness of our sin, we'll be drawn into a, a new way of life that now flows. Think about it. If Jesus came to die for sin... Why would we still pursue it? Why would we still be content to just live in it? If God went to such lengths to forgive us our sin, then 
why would we still embrace it? Doesn't this crisp explanation by Jesus of, of this whole new covenant promise here categorically flag sin as the fundamental problem? Isn't this what we should be most fundamentally aware of, that, that God does not want us to be labelled with sin? Jesus has got something in mind for us now that is new. By forgiving us our sin, God is freeing us from its clutches. We can run now, friends. We can leap in the wind. We are being remade new. This is, after all, the new covenant in Jesus' blood. This is the new covenant faith. Forgiveness of our sin, paid for by Christ, and a newness of life in the kingdom of God that, that that brings. Take hold of the promise of Scripture. Take hold of this new covenant in Jesus' blood. Take hold of the certainty of this for all who believe. This is, after all, God's covenant promise to us. Jesus is so crystal clear here about why he has come, that he will die to pay for our sins so that we can be righteously and forever forgiven. We can trust that, friends. We can trust what God has put forward for us to make this so. This is precisely what we should be doing, taking hold of this covenant Jesus offers and and pinning all our hopes in him. This is the new covenant. Friends, if you've been tracking along under, under any other assumption, be sure to see in this scripture today that this, this here is where God's promises land. In his blood at the cross, Jesus has paid for our sin. We must... Repent, therefore, and trust in him. And then let him make us new. This new covenant in Jesus' blood will save you from judgment. And nothing else can. So please let me say this. If you have not yet received this gospel that Christ died for your sin, then I invite you today to step into this space. The Bible crystallizes around this simple truth. You are sinful to your core and you will face judgment for your sin. You and everyone else too. But God has so cared to absorb all the punishment that our sin so deserves. Jesus, the eternal Son, who took on our mortal life so that he could lay that life down on our behalf, he takes all our judgment on him. If you do not wish to receive that judgment yourself, then all you can do, and And all you need to do is to step into this new covenant space. Repent of your sin 
and trust in what God has done to pay for it in Jesus Christ. So that a righteous and, and full forgiveness can be given you from God. Will you let your sin fall on Jesus? Or will you try to carry it yourself into judgment? But let me also say this. If you have already received this gospel, if you have already received this gospel that Christ died to pay for your sin, then oh, take comfort again today with this sweet and certain promise of God that he has forgiven your sin. He has forgiven your sin by no less sure means and by no less infinite a payment than, than the precious blood of God's own Son. The punishment you do so rightly deserve has been carried by him. And it cannot now be put on you if that's true. The judgment you deserve cannot now be put onto you if that's true that Jesus died for your sin. And it is true. It is true by the words of Jesus himself who promised this and then did this for you. So feast on this new covenant, children of God. Eat, drink, celebrate. God has dealt with our sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you as always for your scriptures and this promise here that we read of this new covenant in Jesus' blood. Father, we ask that you would have the truth of this sink into the very depths of our heart. Lead us deeper into an awareness of our sin, first of all. Yeah, show us our sin, Father. Lead us deeper into repentance of our sin. Grant us this spirit of repentance we need. Lead us deeper and deeper still then into this forgiveness. This forgiveness that Jesus has secured for us in his blood. Thank you for your promise here. Thank you for your mercy to do such a thing for sinners like us. On the back of this truth, Father, we pray that you would pick us up now and, and renew us and reshape us in Jesus' name and teach us all the more to follow him. And we pray these things in his mighty name. Amen.